Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network. This is the breakfast show, positively different radio in the morning. You are with Lyle and... Mon, good morning, Lyle. How are you? Mon, did your multitasking catch you out then just yeah, momentarily? Yeah. My friend's, uh, she's going sunglass shopping and she's sending me pictures of sunglasses and she just put the most ridiculous pair on and sent me a picture and I couldn't help but laugh. And here I were <laughs> thought you were busily preparing material that for too, our social too, media site. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, someone did message me uh, a beautiful uh, a gratitude story. What are you grateful for this morning, Lyle? I'm grateful for spending time with mates around a campfire. Where's Who bring re- their camp oven and Ooh. make homemade, fresh, deep-fried potato chips. That sounds so delicious. Good. So good. So good. You have no idea. Okay. Well, let me show you what I got messaged. This is from Cassie in Geelong. We have a lot of listeners in Geelong, actually. And she sent a beautiful message. She said, I'm grateful that even though I'm struggling with my health at the moment, with having low energy and low-functioning immune system uh, and getting up every day as I struggle, trusting God in the midst of these struggles has made me surrender more and rely more fully on His strength and not my own. I'm grateful that Jesus shared in our suffering while here on earth because it makes Him the best, most empathetic friend we could ever have. He understands it all, and I rest in the knowledge he cares and loves me more than I could ever fully understand. For that, I want to thank him and praise him for the sacrifice and trials he endured on my behalf. I'm grateful for my struggles because they help me to see Jesus more clearly every day. Isn't that wow, beautiful? That is. It's quite an essay. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's lovely. Just overflowing with thankfulness. Amen. And uh, if you want to share what you're grateful for, you can send it. doesn't matter how long or short it is. Send it to us and, uh, and we will share it here. The number to text is 0491 Coming up on today's show, we're going to tell the story of a farmer just as an example of what is happening in the West. You will be shocked. Yes, indeed. You will be absolutely shocked when you hear what it is that our farmers are facing right now. The reason we know, of course, what's coming up in today's show is because this is the, the delayed, delayed broadcast. broadcast. And yes, these stories have already been done. But so. fear not, you can actually jump across the live show. It's actually super easy to go across the live show. And we tell you this every day, so you know this, dear listeners. Yes. You can go across uh, via faithfm.com.au. That's our website. Just look for the live stream at the top of the page and press play. And uh, you can also download the TuneIn app, which we highly recommend. Uh, you can download that for free. Um, search for Faith FM Australia and add us to your favorites list. And once again, just press play and listen to us there. And Mon's going to share a story with us about getting water from nothing. It's not from nothing. It's water from the atmosphere where most water comes from, Lyle. Lyle's such a skeptic. Give us a call and tell us what you think. Are you skeptic or you think this is a reality? I think it's a reality. Spoke light in 
Welcome back, guys. You were listening to Audrey Sad with New Every Morning here on Faith FM. And as we kick off our day, as always, we have a quiz for you. To warm up our brains in this cold weather. And uh, Lyle already have two clues up on our Instagram. So if you okay. want to check them get, out. Get ahead, of the, uh, get ahead of the game right there. Yes, go to Instagram and then look up uh, Faith FM Live and you will find our account. And you can watch our Insta story. Uh, and you will see us here in the studio and you will be able to replay over and over again all the clues to this quiz. Now, today's quiz is a Who Am I quiz. For 180 days, I displayed the vast wealth of my kingdom and the splendor and glory of my majesty. <laughs> I know who that is. Yeah, yeah, I know who yeah, it is yeah, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. If yeah. you know who it is, you can give us a call now, 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. Or you can text us 0491-064-669. And if you're correct, we will send you the prize. This is a very famous story. It doesn't oh, I shouldn't, I've got to try not to give clues away here. You should just stop talking about it. Yeah, yeah, I've got just some really cool clues for this story. But they're probably in my clue card, so don't give away the clues that I have yet to give away. All right, all right. Yeah, all just, right. just shush. Okay. I'll Just wait for a little bit. I'll, I'll, give you some, I'll give you some freebies a little bit further on. When we get to the question of the day segment, if we haven't told those clues, then you can tell <coughs> your clues. Okay. All right. So, what have we got for positively news this morning? We need some positive news this morning. We had a bit of a drought happening, so let's um, have something to lift I our I have actually something to do with water, and this is super cool. This has, like, blown my mind because it incorporates something I'm interested in. Um, but, mm. Lyle, we yeah. may soon have backpacks that can generate clean water from the air, even in arid deserts. What? Yeah. No. It's, I'm, it's just so cool. Like, because I'm interested in... Um, but, I mean, how much water? How much water are you going to get out of the air? I mean, seriously, you're walking across the Simpson Desert. Well... some good deserts here in Australia, and you're carrying a backpack, and it, what, it just fills up every hour? Well, it says as many as 10 gallons per hour. What? Yeah. I mean, that's for a massive one. Yeah. Um, that's like on the back of a... Car or something. B-double. <laughs> well, we've had a guest come in and uh, uh, from Caleb of Elamore Vale and he's guest Solomon for the quiz. Just a little side mm-hmm. note. Caleb, good guest, but he you are incorrect. Uh, it, was good guess. it was a good guess because a good um, guess. Yeah. Yeah, Solomon was incredibly wealthy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was. He was. He did have some splendorous stuff happening. Yeah. Anyway. okay. somebody else up there with Solomon. Yeah. So, this this backpack, this is this is blowing my mind because I am, um, I mean, I'm not... I'm not as into um, – I, I, I like to think that I, I'm going to be getting into ultra lightweight through hiking, which is a sp- very specific type of hiking. Mm-hmm. I just never seem to have the time to go do it, even though I have most of the basic equipment to go do it. <laughs> I would like to one day go do the triple yes, it's crown. Called having, it's called running a breakfast show, Mon. Yeah, I know. Right? I know. <laughs> oh, I know. Um, I would like to uh, do Mon, the tri- Mon really does love you. Yeah, 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 she does. She, does. <laughs> she loves you. Um, she would miss you if she was out backpacking. One day I hope, to do, I hope to do the Triple Crown, you know, that the really, really long, the Pacific Trail and it goes all the way. I think it starts like in like Mexico or something, you end up in Norway or somewhere and like you walk the entire length and breadth of uh, Americas. And then wait a minute, you have wait a minute. You can't, do, you, can't, you can't do that. Yeah, I was going to say you have to catch yeah, a ferry. Yeah, no, you, you, you do you catch a ferry across. You walk around the ferry while it's you're going a, across. It's a very famous trail. It's, 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 uh, there's three famous trails and they combine them and they call it the Triple Crown crown and uh, and it's it's mad it'll take you like a year but i super want to go from it. from tierra del fuego down the bottom of south america all the way something to like that norway yeah. yeah 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 i looked it up before by the bering strait 
Something like that, yeah. It's it's mad cool. And I've researched this kind of stuff backwards and forwards. And one of the things that you always have to think about is like, where am I going to get my water from? And because, you know, they do offer, you know, multiple solutions to all your hiking problems. So there's all different ways that you can do the water. There's like these purifying straws. There's these tablets. There's, you know, um, uh, little stoves. We have to cook it and add stuff to it. To pu- because you don't want to be drinking... Um, you know, yeah, I've, I've used those water. purifying straws. They're pretty cool. You, yeah. can, you can literally drink out of a puddle in the middle of a cow pat. <laughs> and, uh, no, you can, absolutely. You have to have faith. And it comes, it comes through the other end, just crystal clear water. Yeah, yeah. You've got, to, you've, got to, you've got to suck on those things really hard. It's quite, oh, exhausting. Really? It's quite exhausting. I've never tried. One. See, yeah. but what happens if you want to um, fill a kettle and have a hot cuppa? Do you have to suck the water through a straw and then spit it into the, into the billy can? See, that's, that's the other problem you're faced with. Yeah, well, they have the, um, they have the two versions. Uh, they have the one that you suck the water through where you just stick it in any kind of water that you find and just mm-hmm. start drinking. Mm-hmm. You have the other one where you actually pour water in the top and wait for it to drip, drip out the bottom. Oh, okay. That's very interesting. Yeah, it takes a long time once again. But See, so I actually I actually have a, I have a friend who, um, you know, she I w- she went a little bit hippie for a while and was like, you know, living in like in, uh, in a hut out in the bush, her and her husband. I thought it was great, you know, off the grid living kind of thing um, and just drinking from fresh streams, which sounds nice, but she ended up, um, can, uh, drinking a, a bug that she's basically had her entire adult Ooh, life now really? and and is really messed up her system like long term. Wow. Like See, this- growing up in Tasmania, I used to drink out of the creek or the river oh, all the time. Yeah. When I went hiking in Tasmania, I never took anything other than a cup. Yeah, it was same in WA when I was when growing up. You know, we used to go pathfinders. Even for school, we'd just go hiking through the bush, and every time we came across a creek, we all like sit there and have a drink. I remember one time we all sat there and had a drink, and then hiked further upstream and came across a dead sheep that was stuck in the water. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty festy. Anyway, back to this super cool backpack because uh, my, my grandfather did that once. He was drinking out of the um, out of the gutter running down the side of the road as you did back in the day, yeah, back, yeah. In this, back in the nineteen thirties during uh-huh. the depression. Went up around the corner. And here's a dead cow laying in the gutter. Oh. <laughs> Gross. How did we survive? <laughs> anyway, so so this uh, this water generating, clean water generating backpack, right? So it's a professor of mechanical engineering who's been leading a research team to develop uh, a lightweight battery-powered pack that can like, harvest water from the air. It's just incredible. So, so you've got to carry solar panels as well to run it. Well, uh, let me get down to that bit. Let me tell you a little bit okay. about the science behind it. So they uh, have, I'm super sceptical on this one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, st- it's, anyway, it's going, still in prototype section. So the nanofiber-based harvester could help address modern, um, you know, modern water shortages due to climate change, industrial pollution, droughts, groundwater depletion, because there is water in the air, but we have a problem harnessing it. And um, especially you know, in dry parts, in places like you know California, Africa, China, and here in Australia, um, and it also could help aid South American residents who live atop really high mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, the guy's name is Dr. Xing Chuang Wong of the University of Akron, and he says I was visiting China, which has a freshwater scarcity problem, um, and there's investment in wastewater treatment, and I thought that effort alone was inadequate, and so he figured it'd be more prudent to develop uh, a water harvester that could take advantage of abundant water particles in the atmosphere. There's more water than we realize in the atmosphere. Hmm. And so to miniaturize water generation and improve the efficiency, uh, Professor Wong and his uh, students turned to electrospun polymers. So electrospinning uses electrical forces to produce polymer fibers ranging from tens to nanometers up to one micrometer, and it's, which is an ideal size to condense and squeeze water droplets out of the air. Um, so these nanoscale wow. fiber polymers offer uh, a much larger surface area to volume ratio um, than that provided 
inspired by typical structures and memories used in water distillers. I'm mm-hmm. reading most of this because this science is like way above yeah, my yeah. understanding. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting the general idea. Yeah, so they, they experimented with uh, different combinations of these polymers, which were hydrophilic, which means it attracts water, mm-hmm. and hydrophobic, so that d- discharges water. And the team concluded that a, a water harvesting system could indeed be fabricated, like turned into a fabric using nanofiber technology. And uh, and unlike existing methods, uh, this this fabric it could work in arid um, desert environments because of the membrane's high surface area to volume ratio um, because it has a minimum uh, minimal energy requirement it actually doesn't require that much energy because of the because of the you know area surface to volume ratio and uh, and then of course you know then it just works on your appearance like you know how you're gonna make it look so they're like do you know what if it kind of already looks like a backpack, let's turn it into a backpack. And, um, and yeah, and so they used using it uh, at the moment, they're advancing with uh, litho, lithium ion batteries, mm-hmm. um, but they're hoping to develop even smaller um, uh, batteries yeah, to, to, to make it like a super like compact, carryable and, uh, and good for hikers. And, uh, and so, and so it kind of, it's, <laughs> To sort of uh, put it in layman's terms, this backpack will sim- simultaneously grab air and filter the air so the water will be free of pollutants and basically immediately drinkable. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty impressive. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's just it's blowing my mind. Can you imagine just walking around? Don't have to take a cup. Don't have to take – or maybe have to take a cup. Don't have to take well, any I, sort know, of purification okay, so here's, device here's and your backpack's just working in it and then like you're like, oh, I'm thirsty. So you just reach like, – get your cup and maybe there's like a dispenser or something and you just press the dispenser pity, pity and got, drink from your backpack. Okay, here's me being the skeptic, but pity you've got no room for your tent, your sleeping bag, your food. You're starving to death, but hey, but you don't know that. You, you don't know that. You haven't seen a picture of it. It looks like a regular backpack. Maybe know, they've made it so you can fit stuff inside it. Okay, but I think this is a great idea, nonetheless, for uh, providing water supply, you know, in in dry areas. Maybe not for doing backpacking across the Simpson Desert, unless maybe one just one person carries the water and everybody else carries the food. Well, you I don't, don't know, know how much water there is in the air there. This is Chris Wenegar with Holy Holy Holy. <laughs> Merciful and mild. 
You're listening to Chris Wenegar with Holy, Holy, Holy here on Faith FM as we continue on with The Breakfast Show and as Mon continues on giving us clues and there's yes. only one prize for this quiz because I know the answer. Mon knows the answer. Caleb doesn't know the answer. <laughs> Are you teasing poor Caleb? <laughs> Caleb is a hey, faithful listener. Hey, congratulations for having a, having a crack. Mm-hmm. Caleb is one of our faithful listeners. Um, Caleb listens at his workshop. Mm-hmm. He's a tradie and he listens with uh, his earphones in. Listens through the TuneIn app. Yep, through the TuneIn app. So, yeah. yeah absolutely. Best, cool. way to, best way to do it. That way you'll have a perfect signal anywhere. And you don't have to listen to the other rubbish that it might be played by. Yeah, in the workshop, which is you know, yeah. happens a lot. Or you can just convince your boss to switch over to Faith FM. Even better still, have or the whole if workshop you are the boss, Faith please FM. switch over to Faith FM. Yeah, now, that, now <laughs> yeah. you're talking, now you're yeah. talking. Okay, clue number two. And this one, I think this is a really easy one. My edict granted the Jews the right to assemble and protect themselves to kill and annihilate any armed force that might attack them. <laughs> yeah. Come Isn't on, that, guys. Yeah. I mean, this is the story actually blows my mind a little bit. Um, you know, someone has to create an edict which grants people the right to protect themselves. The right to self-protection. Yeah. You'd think that you can just self-protect without needing the right to be given to you. Actually, in those circumstances, they did need the right because okay. that was a right that had specifically been taken from them. Yes, that's, that just blows my mind. How can you remove that right from any... Like, the, yeah. yeah. Anyway, we can't give away too much. No, we can talk about a, this afterwards. Yeah, we can. <laughs> uh, ethnic cleansing, genocide, uh, all terrible, kinds of terrible, terrible things taking place here. But while we've been talking about uh, a rather grim story there. What's happening in the world? That had a, uh, a good ending. We have a grim story that's happening in Australia right now. Of course, that is in relationship to the drought. Mm-hmm. And I spent the weekend uh, meeting with several farmers in uh, Western New South Wales just to have a look at the drought situation, sort of get my head around what was going on and to look at what they were actually facing. I want to talk more about that in a little while. And also looking at some of the contradictions that are happening as, as you know, the, the people are dealing with the drought. And um, yeah, it was it was very, very enlightening. So I've got more to talk about that. But one of the things, I'm just a bit confused here, Mon, this morning. Yeah, actually, I have a pretty good question that I want to ask about it, but, but go on. Do go me ahead. Okay, well, what I want to know is, like, we, earlier this year, we had the example in, in South Africa, in Cape Town, where they where they ran out of water, basically. Yes. And, uh, and, and we all marveled at how the South Africans pulled together to reduce their water usage, right? Yes. And we've been wondering whether or not Australians will do the same. And, you know, in the last few days, in the last week or so, you know, I have, I've been encouraged by the way Australians have pulled together, how businesses, just anyone is, is um, pulling together. But we're raising money as opposed to saving water. All our efforts seem to be like, we need to raise money for the drought. Throw raise money, money at the problem rather yeah. than And I'm with like, the water how issue. is money going to help? I mean, sure, we can like buy some feed for the sheep and the cattle that are starving, but okay, okay here's the difference. Money let can't ex- buy let rain. Let me explain to you the, 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 a little bit of the difference there, Mon, uh-huh. because that's a really, really valid question you've just asked. A little bit of the difference revolves around our water storage for our large cities. So in the past, some of you will remember when uh, Warragamba Dam in Sydney Mm -hmm. was running dry Mm -hmm. and we were on water restrictions in Sydney for about three or four years and they built a desalination plant, all that kind of stuff. You weren't allowed to wash your car, etc. Yep, remember that. Okay, so at the moment, because we've had decent rain up until the beginning of the drought, our water storage is not so low that in the cities we are under water restrictions. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And, of course, those water restrictions won't kick in until the dams reach you know, a certain level and, and mm-hmm. this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so what it does is it insulates city dwellers from the problems in the bush. Now, the problems in the bush, you don't have a massive dam like Warragamba Dam. You've got you know multiple dams on your property that can easily run dry and just turn back to cracked mud. And the people in the city, they don't see that. Because they're not on water restrictions. Yeah. Because there's still water in the dam because of water that you know rain that we we received in the catchment earlier in the year. We had significant rain in the catchment. You know what was it back in April or something or other? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so we're not facing those kinds of restrictions when we turn the tap on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that's why we don't see the response that you've got in Cape Town. Now, if those dam levels get too low. Then you might see cities starting to pull together and say, "Look, let's let's start deal, dealing with the amount of water we're using, rather than just trying to throw money, know, at, it. money at the problem." Because you know, our, our producer Shell and I, we were discussing whether or not we should add a segment on here about water conservation and do, just tips, little tips that people can do to to save water. Because I mean, to me, like the solution, if we need water, then let's get some water out there, right? So, mm-hmm. wouldn't it be a good idea if we did go under a self-imposed water restriction and and then we could, you know, fill up a few water tankers and drive them out there. I don't know. Am, am I being naive and thinking that's going to fix some of the yeah, problem? Yeah, a little bit. That trucking water is not going to be sufficient to deal with the problem in the in, in, on the farms. Okay. It's just too small of an amount that you can actually get on a truck. If you were going to, you know, have a mechanical solution to dealing with the water problem, it would invo- involve, you know, a pipeline from, say, northern Australia okay. where they have, you know, metres of rainfall during the wet season mm-hmm. and then pumping that down to, you know, to southeastern Australia. Let's do that. Oh, hey. If we're chucking money at it. <laughs> Don't get me started on this one. We've been chuck talking, some money at a we've pipe. We've been talking about this for the last 40 years. Or more. What is wrong with us? Come on, you know, Australia! Northern Australia has meters and meters of water every. They could wet irrigate season. the whole country. Oh yeah, of course. Oh, I'm disappointed with yeah, us. Don't don't get, don't get me started on that Let one. Let me guess. Is it greenies? Uh, of course. No greenies. Come on now. You're a greenie. I'm not a green. You are a greenie. I'm not a greenie. You have green. You are a greenie. I have green. Ten- <laughs> I have green tendencies. Okay. All right. So here's a uh, here's an interesting um, story from a yes, talk, about, talk about greenies, um, and this is coming out of Wildcare Queenbean. Okay. Who have been swamped with joeys mm-hmm. to take care of and to raise and to release back into the wild as a result of the drought. And so what is happening is that, of course, the kangaroos are moving off the paddocks that have now been stripped mm-hmm. onto the verges of the road that have not been stripped. Um, getting hit by cars, joeys are being rescued and handed into uh, Queen Bean Wild Care. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, their numbers have gone up, you know, just even even yeah. astronomically gone up as a result of that. Um, and uh, it costs about $500 to raise each joey to adulthood and then to re-release it into the wild. They have an army of volunteers. They're trying to raise um, significant money. They're um, already subsidised by the government. To be able to uh, to raise these joeys, you know, to the age mm-hmm, where they can mm-hmm. release them into the wild, which is, you know, is a very warm fuzzy uh, kind of a project. Um, and Phil Macon makes the comment. He says it's immensely satisfying to give back to the community. Now here's, you know, <coughs> and and just this one wild care one in Queanbeyan, they're spending you know around about two hundred thousand dollars a year to get these kangaroos back out into the wild. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing that's confusing me because I've got this one organisation here that is putting kangaroos back into the wild and I've got the Department of Primary Industry that has just lifted the restriction on shooting kangaroos because of the perfect storm that's been created by the drought combined with kangaroo populations being three times what they were, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. 
and stripping the fields. Um, and so, you know, they've lifted a lot of the restrictions on being able to cull kangaroo numbers to make it much easier for farmers to just go out there and cull. You know, mm-hmm. they don't need to have tags. They don't need to, you know, put an application into, you know, to get numbers of tags and that kind of thing. They're allowed to have multiple shooters. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot easier than what it was. Those changes came through probably a little bit too little too late on the 8th of August mm-hmm. and have been in force since then. And yet we have uh, these wild care centres that seem to be fighting against the farmers. Mm-hmm. And I'm just confused by that. Yeah, that yeah. I'd like to hear your opinion on this. Which, which way should we be going? Should we be making it easier to cull the kangaroo numbers, um, which is exacerbating the drought? And, of course, kangaroos are starving to death or dying of, of uh, dehydration in massive numbers in western mm-hmm, New South mm-hmm. Wales. Um, or should we be increasing the funding to the wild care programs so that we can actually the, save the life of these wild creatures? What's your opinion on this one, Mon? Oh, it's, it's such a noodle. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> you know what I think. Mm-hmm. I think that the Bible has placed us as human beings as stewards of the earth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Stewardship is management. Mm-hmm. And wise management manages both wild um, animal numbers and domestic animal numbers, mm-hmm. and people come first. Mm-hmm. That's you right. know, we should be spending you know hundreds of thousands of dollars a year on our homeless situation. Yes, amen. And our farmers' mental health, uh-huh, absolutely. Before we go spending it on kangaroos, yeah, yeah. I think this is I think this is misguided. Um, you know, fuzzy, furry, yeah, um, yeah. Um, feelings that are coming through here. And, uh, you know, we've got, we've got some serious problems out there in, in, in the bush that I'm going to be talking about with our special guest in just a moment, uh, some of my experiences and some of the things that I saw in the bush over the weekend, which I think you're going to find absolutely shocking if you don't come uh, from the bush. Well, stay right there. We're going to have a song. This is Jaden Levy with Wondrous Love. And then we'll be right back with our interview with David Haupt.
Guys, that was Jaden Lavik with Wondrous Love here on Faith FM. And as our breakfast show continues, we're going to be talking more about the drought here in just a moment. We have our special guest, uh, David Haupt, with us. But before we go to that, we are going to have another clue for the quiz. Yes, who am I? My wife refused when I commanded her to display her beauty at my banquet. Ooh. Oh, controversial. <laughs> no, no, no. Who an, is that? That would be an interesting story to dig into yeah, here on yeah, Faith it FM. Would be. And, and to uh, talk about, you know, feminism and women's rights. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. I'm sure she was uh, quite the uh, the master of the cause. But give us a call if you know the answer. 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. David Halpert, welcome to the show. Good morning, Lyle, and good morning to your listeners. Now, David, as we begin, um, we're going to be talking about the drought this morning and how we can assist farmers in the drought. But before we get into that, I'm just wondering, can you just share maybe, a, you've been on the radio here before, but I want you to just share a little bit of your background and where you're coming from um, so that we can understand you know, exactly why you're so passionate about you know, assisting our farmers and raising money to help people with, um, in the drought, etc. What, what's, your, what's your background? What's your area of expertise? Well, firstly, my background is that I grew up on the land. Right, so you're a farmer yourself. I'm a farmer's son Mm -hmm. and have gone through many droughts and have seen the heartache and pain associated with that. Now, from your accent, did you grow up on the land here in Australia or somewhere else? No, no, I'm ex-South African. Okay. Oh, we're just talking about you guys. (laughs) We were. We were talking about Cape Town and nearly running out of water. Day zero, whatever it was. Yeah. (coughs) So is is South Africa affected in a similar way to Australia or is that more fertile? Very much similar to to Australia. Mm -hmm. What kind of farming did your dad do? We had uh, different crop, uh, cropping as well as animals. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So uh, sheep, wool farming, as well as, uh, you know, cattle. Mm-hmm. So you're coming at this from a standpoint of experience. Uh, you've also had experience with dealing with people that are struggling with certain issues. Tell us a little bit about that. My, my training is firstly in the field of ministry. Mm-hmm. So I'm a minister of religion as well as psychology and counselling. Mm-hmm. And I'm currently uh, carrying a responsibility of being the national director and trainer for the Nedley Depression Anxiety Recovery Program. Oh, that's such a good program. Yeah, that's a, an exceptional program. And it's it's very much, uh, you know, in, in terms of the drought, the way, the difference in the way that male versus females deal mm-hmm. with a crisis in their life. Yeah. And drought is a crisis. Okay, so if we look at the drought right now, 
Um, have you had um, you know ex- experience in the um, you know out there in the bush? Um, how, what have you seen in the way that this is affecting people in the bush right now? I've just recently been twice out uh, out west, mm-hmm. and the devastation just uh, bare rocks and sand instead of where it used to be lush you know properties of, of grass. Um, and it's really impacting people uh, in a way that they start n- need to put down their animals. Mm-hmm. Uh, their livelihood are just being decimated in front of them, despair, and eventually for some of the people, very sadly, there's only one way out, they, they think, and that mm-hmm. is through suicide. You mentioned the difference between the way this is affecting men and women. Is that, you know, and depression and suicide, is it different in the bush into the con- or in, in, in the country compared to the city as to how men and women are dealing with these kinds of issues? Let me just take a step back and say that women normally present a depressed state through uh, spells of emotional outbursts, in other words, crying. Mm-hmm. And therefore, it's so much easier to, to help women. Women also processes their things by, or the, 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 the emotional struggle by communicating, talking. Mm-hmm. That's a female thing. Does that make it easier to diagnose it and, makes and recognize? It very much so. It makes it much easier. And therefore, statistically, we will see that women are twice more likely to be diagnosed with depression than males. And I would like to suggest that it's not just because women are twice more prone towards it, but men experience and present their depression in a more withdrawal way because they don't experience it in the emotional you know, ups, but rather a, a an emptiness. Mm-hmm. And therefore, men withdraw. They often self-medicate uh, through alcohol and, and other means or just pour themselves into the work. And as one of the farmer's wives said to me, uh, we as wives, we come together, we support each other, we talk about this. Our, our men just take the rifle, walk out into the paddock, and that's it. Mm. Now, the difference between city life uh, versus uh, country life is and of that… And of course, country men have the, the access to firearms to be able to do that as well. Very much so. But they also have the isolation because in, in the city, it, it is more okay to uh, and, and, and easier for people to connect with each other. Mm-hmm. The farmers are so isolated that sometimes they can work out there in the paddock for weeks without seeing anyone else around them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So as they work out there and they see the devastation and they see their, their livelihood just disappearing in front of their eyes, mm-hmm. it is so much easier to feel into, fall into the deep hole. So one of the things that's actually an appeal for the farming life, which is you know that peace and that quietness that you don't get in city life, then actually becomes a trap when things go badly. Very much so, yes. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so um, let me just run a scenario past you because I think that you know it's important that we, you know, we look at uh, identifying these kinds of issues, particularly as you're saying with men. Uh, one of the farmers that I met with on the weekend. And, you know, I, I didn't go too prying too much, but just sort of asked a few basic questions as to what was going on in his life and how he was handling the drought. And so this is a man who uh, is currently feeding his cattle. Um, while I was there, he was feeding them cotton seed because that was about yeah. all that he had. Now, cotton seed is, has very low nutrition, and the cattle will only eat it for a certain amount of time before they just get sick of it yeah. and then they refuse to eat it anymore. And so it's pretty desperate when you're feeding your cattle cotton seed. 
So he's in he's in a fairly desperate uh, situation, and because the farm's not actually producing anything, he's forced to go out and run a sawmill, take on a second job, to be able to put you know bread and butter on the table. Um, so running the two jobs, the farm and the sawmill, he's he's getting up at four thirty in the morning to get out and feed the stock. Um, he's finishing up you know eight o'clock at night, that kind of thing, doing this seven days a week. Mm. On top of that, he is. Um, He's raising three of his grandchildren, um, and on top of that, he oh, on top of that, he just lost a finger in a in a sawmilling accident, which mm. they've um, yeah they've sewn it back on, but it makes his hand pretty hard to use. That was uh, a fortnight ago, and he's seventy two years old. Mm. Mm. Is this somebody who is in danger? Very much so. the The mere fact that his circadian rhythm is impacted, his lack of sleep. Uh, tells us that he, his judgment will be clouded. Mm-hmm. The emotional hits to his brain through all the stresses. Um, Lyle, it is important for your listeners to understand that farmers are not always doing their farming work for commercial gain. Mm-hmm. They, they have been generationally living on those farms. It is part of their identity, their, their, their livelihood. Those animals are very much part of their family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, having seeing that scenario where he's feeding and not really feeding his animals because there's, there's no nutrition, uh, what is happening internally for him? Mm-hmm. It's as if it is his children. Yeah, mm. that is busy dying around him. Yep. Uh, he, he, his self assessment is that he is failing as a farmer mm-hmm. in providing for what his his family had built up. Mm-hmm. Furthermore, statistically, we know that um, grandparents that has the sole custody and care of of their grandchildren mm-hmm. actually stands a chance of becoming more and more depressed. And here, furthermore, is the impingement in terms of his his physical. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, he, he lost his finger. Lost his finger, yeah. And and all of that is impacting. Mm. And he's way past retirement age as well. He should yeah. be retired. Exactly. So we we the the way that I normally refer to it is that you can only take so many hits to the brain. Mm-hmm. To the point where you eventually do not have enough serotonin left to properly cope. Yeah, and if you ask if you ask him how he's doing, it you know it's just he's your typical he's your typical country cocky, and you just put that sort of little bit of a smile on his face, and oh yeah, okay, we're doing all right. They are tough out there, <laughs> but still in that toughness comes isolation. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so. Um, uh, just running through here. Are there services for people specifically in the bush? You know, I know we, you know, we're well familiar with you know all the services that are available here in the city and that place, that kind of thing, where people can go easily to get help. You know, emotional help. Are there are there services in the bush, and is there enough being done uh, for emotional help for people in the bush? I don't think that there is enough available. Every every hospital would have at the emergency department will have a, a, a triage facility where they could link into the city mm-hmm. uh, for mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, the blue dog or the black dog and uh, you know is, is available for uh, for these farmers by phone. 
The problem is that farmers always think in terms of, hey, tomorrow it will rain. Mm. It will There's be a, better tomorrow. And this is something else that I, that I came across with another farmer that, that I, I, I talked to. And, you know, when I was talking to him, you know, um, you know, he had some cattle that were pregnant and so forth. And, you know, it's like, okay, why haven't you destocked? It's like, oh, yeah, you know, it's just a cycle. It's going to rain soon. And you sort of think, and one of the, you know, just doing some research on that, we're finding the RSPCA and others are going out into these communities and putting down large numbers of cattle that are now too weak to, to be transported. Yep. And they're saying, look, you know, you need to know when to when to call this because if you let them get to a certain point, you can't put them on a truck anymore and you get nothing for them. You're better off to get something than to get nothing. But, of course, with a lot of these farmers, it's their breeding stock. Mm. It's not their it's not their commercial stock. It's their breeding stock yep. that they are losing, and as you mentioned earlier, it's part of their family. Mm. Um, okay, so you you mentioned Black Dog, and we're going to put up you know a list of phone numbers. You know, if you're out in the bush and you're struggling, there's a list of phone numbers. There's people to call. Um, okay, so for a farmer <coughs> who is facing some, and anybody really, the the, the principle applies applies across the board. But for a farmer who's facing severe issues right now how do you know if you're depressed or if you are in danger of becoming depressed one of the first telltale signs is, is that i stop enjoying what i used to enjoy doing mm-hmm. so that is a very clear telltale sign that uh, things are changing um, we we see that they they start to talk more negative mm-hmm. i often ask their wives or their family members, is he sighing? Right. Okay. Just that. (sighs) Yep. Is often an indication that, hey, maybe I should look in a little bit deeper. Mm -hmm. And um, they, some start to talk about, more about death and dying, Mm -hmm. darkness around them. Um, Self-worth is impacted. Um, those are very clear telltale signs that, hey, this person is going downhill. Mm-hmm. Now, David, you've been doing some uh, work in uh, raising money to support fa- farmers that are facing drought. What, what's actually taking place there? Um, Adventist Community Services in North New South Wales have partnered with Sanitarium. Mm-hmm. And... Um, as we speak right now, we're busy making arrangements for a trucking firm, a person that is donating his his resources to us and an entire semi-load trailer full of uh, sanitarium products oh, will wow. shortly be shipped out to the West. Right. Um, our food pantries out in the West and food hubs have been already for quite some time uh, assisting farmers with food parcels we're resourcing them further with finance so they can buy in more stock more uh, more food um we've challenges uh, challenged all our churches in uh, mm-hmm. out west actually to invite farmers to a breakfast on neutral ground often sure. often when a church denomination does it you know people fear what is the catch so we've invited them to partner with the CWA the country women's association mm-hmm. with council liaison officers and see whether they could um, 
invite farmers to come in into neutral ground, have a breakfast, because the key thing for people that go into a state of depression and who is suicidal is to connect with someone that can show them that there's still hope. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, people commit suicide not because they don't want to live, but because they've reached the point where they just don't see any light on the other side of the tunnel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, when I train people up in depression recovery, I often share the story of after the thousand person had jumped off the gate, uh, Golden Gate Bridge, an astute researcher discovered that there was 20 people that survived the jump. Mm-hmm. Now, falling from that height, hitting uh, you know the water, is like hitting a solid slab of concrete. Mm. So their lives were now actually worse off than what they were before. Sure. And he, ar- he armed himself with three questions. Question number one, um, if you would get another chance, would you do it again? Would you jump? All 20 said no. Hmm. Uh, the second question, trying to clarify, making sure they understood that first question, uh, does this mean, therefore, that you now know that when you did jump that you made a mistake? All 20 said yes. Wow. His third question was, at what point did you realize that you were making a mistake? 18 of the 20 said, the moment that my feet left the platform. Wow. In other words... Yeah. If there was only someone in their life mm-hmm. that could tell them, hey, hang on, there is hope mm. in tomorrow. Yep, yep. And that is, that is if, if, if you would ask me the question, what can we do? Mm-hmm. That is the number one thing that I would recommend to you. Very quickly, because we are out of time, how do we donate? How do we donate? Where do, where do we, who do we call to donate? Just call us here on uh, at Faith FM. You can... Call Faith FM or you can go to ADRA, mm-hmm. www.adra.org.au. There, phone number 1-800-242-372. That will be tax deductible. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us, David. We're going to put all of those details up on our social media and we'll repeat it again after the news. But uh, right now we're going to go to Ali Layton with who are going to bring us the uh, song Beyond. You speak a word and then it's done Who am I to question thee? You Instructions for the dawn Filled the treasures of the sea Stars filling up the sky Cause you come and they draw From the place of light That you created great Is the mystery of your
know that fear and anxiety are the most common mental conditions in Australia. On average, one in four people will experience anxiety at some stage in their life. I'm David Stojic, counsellor and pastor of Living Abundantly Adventist Church. We are hosting speaker Danny Milenko to provide a scriptural perspective on this topic. Join us at 11 a.m. Saturday, September 8th at the Warburg Community Centre here in Newcastle and visit discoverhopeseries.com for more information. Thank you.